My name is Johnny, and I've never seen Good Morning Vietnam. And my name is Adam, and I've never seen Good Morning Vietnam. That's, that's why the they part. Say it like that. That's the only part <laughs> I know of that movie. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Welcome to Fine, I'll Watch It. Uh, My name is Bridget, and I am here with Johnny and Adam, as you just heard. Uh, Today, we will be discussing and watching the 1987 movie, Good Morning, Vietnam. So, this movie came up. uh, I am the only one of us to have seen it. And I have to say, I was a little bit surprised neither of you had seen it, um, because I think it's a major player in two sort of big kind of movie, I guess, categories, which I guess we'll get into in a bit. Um, But starting with you, Johnny, I guess, tell me a little bit about what you know or don't know about Good Morning Vietnam, and then... Adam, we'll go to you too. Sure. Um, the the most that I've ever taken away from seeing anything from this movie have been in sort of like reels of you know Robin Williams' talents. So especially in light of his passing, there were mm-hmm. just a million uh, good, like very good um, compilations of like his best work that he's known for. And like we heard from Adam at the top, that's kind of what like <laughs> I know of the movie. Yeah, it's. And I'm a big Robin Williams fan, and I think I've seen most of his stuff. I still haven't seen some of the like I didn't watch the older TV show where he's like an alien. Um, oh, Mark and Mindy. Yeah, yeah I've never watched that. Um, Happy Days th- spinoff. Right. Um, there's one with Jesus Christ. Um, not Michael Douglas. I forget about Jeff Bridges. It was the one with Jeff Bridges, and they're uh, in Central Park Fisher or something. King. Fisher King. Haven't seen I Fisher never King. Saw that one. But yes, have seen like uh, Good Will Hunting, Mrs. Doubtfire, Dead Poet Society, um, Bicentennial Man. Um, <laughs> I saw that in theaters. <laughs> uh, I, I think I saw that in theaters too. You know, Hook. Um, so again, I, I'm pretty sure I've run, I've seen like like 75 to 80% of his filmography. Um, and I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm actually really looking forward to seeing this, especially in what you're sort of, I think, like alluding to that. It's like a comedy and a war movie, which I'm just going to say that's probably what it is. And if it's not, then I've been wrong before on this podcast. That's, so. Well, that's, um, that's correct. I was thinking more kind of granular of like, oh, okay. of, you know, this is like a Vietnam war movie in particular. Cause I think that in and of itself, like the Vietnam conflict, like has its own sort of, filmic themes mm-hmm. um okay. and then the other major category of film was just robin williams vehicles in general gotcha which is um, just i think a big genre but yeah ways. i mean really just in regards to this movie i don't know like anything about it. i know he's like he's obviously i don't know if he's serving or he i believe he's serving and he's a, a radio dj um for the u.s military and that's it like i don't know who directed it i mean i didn't even know when it came out you said 87 i was like okay Mm -hmm. that's probably pretty close to what i thought it was going to be 
Um, don't know who directed it. Don't know who wrote it. Um, don't know who co-stars in it. Didn't look at the reviews beforehand. Um, so going in fairly blind with this one. Mm-hmm. Adam. I was going to say, I'm, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the same boat as Johnny. I, you know, all of the things that you listed, I, I think I've seen and not seen, uh, the ones that you haven't seen. I was trying to think of one of some of the other Robin Williams movies I haven't seen is he's in one hour photo, right? That was like, Oh his, yeah. That was yeah, what I was going to mention. His yeah, his scary turn. Yeah, his his big departure from what like I would have been used to, you know, watching Robin Williams movies in in his heyday of, you know, the the early 90s comedies and things that would have been like our wheelhouse as young as youngins. Um so I remember not seeing that cuz I'm like I don't know that I want to see this as a scary thing and I think that probably put me off to seeing things that weren't specifically like, you know, the like the hooks or the jacks of the world. Uh, where Jack. <laughs> over, oh my god. I love Jack. Over the top, you know, Robin Williams style comedies, you know, your your Patch Adamses and Bicentennial Man's of course included in that. Um so that's probably why I didn't see it. Uh, I'm also in the same position of I don't really know anything about it other than he's serving in Vietnam as a radio, as a morning radio DJ and his catchphrase is good morning Vietnam and that's pretty <laughs> much it. Um, so I, I too am very excited for this um, because because I also love Robin Williams. He's well, he's one of my favorites. I was very very sad uh, when he passed away, you know, those years ago. But uh, I yeah, I'm it's it's a weird thing where like I I've probably seen you know dozens of clips like like you mentioned Johnny just like in compilations and in you know in memoriam pieces because I'm sure there's you know, plenty of good, I, I don't want to necessarily say bits because I don't think it's that kind of movie. At least that's my assumption, but like scenes where he's a breakout, you know, centerpiece of it that was in, you know, all those different kinds of reels going around at that time. So, um, but none of them stuck because there was no context in which to put them in. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm excited to kind of actually go through and see it from start to finish. Right on. So thinking sort of along those lines, do you, I guess, with the limited context that you have, my question going in for the both of you would be sort of like, one, what's your favorite Robin Williams movie? And two, what's your favorite Vietnam War movie? Or maybe even more broadly, like, war movie, I guess. And then we can sort of judge based off of that whether this movie is successful um, at the end. I don't. I I would I I would probably just because it just it was spun all the time at our house was Mrs. Doubtfire like it was always on in some sort of capacity mm-hmm. that um and again it's a movie that speaks very much to his talents um and. Again, you can go for more of the more dramatic stuff like, you know, Dead Poet Society or other things. Um, I mean, he's obviously like in Aladdin, you know, I mean, he's not mm-hmm. voiced in Aladdin. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would have to definitively say that I think Mrs. Doubtfire, if I have to think, was probably is my favorite uh, Robin Williams vehicle. As far as a Vietnam movie, I mean, I, I mean, obviously you have like the platoons. I mean, Full Metal Jacket is one. Yeah, I don't know if I have like one really favorite Vietnam movie. I, I maybe because I like they're they're so unique and different, and they're mm-hmm. they're not like World War II movies where I think it, they sort of run over the same ground a lot with that uh, with that genre. They just it seems to be the go to war for like ever. Um, yeah, 
you know, obviously it popularized, you know, um, Call of Duty and all that other stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see him in that setting. And I think, and I'm kind of going into this thinking that it's going to be a lot like Robin Williams movies. And this is not necessarily a bad thing, but like basically one of the things that he does that he's known to do his movie is mix things up. Like that's what he does. Like in almost every one of his movies, he goes into it like, and just completely, he's like a tornado. You know what I mean? He did it. Doubt, I mean, pretty much every like Deadpool society, he makes things up. Um, I just imagine here there's going to be an empty slot for uh, Radio DJ hosts in Vietnam, and somehow he gets recruited into it, and everyone just sort of like blown away by how, um, you know, uh, unorthodox he is in the role. So, that's, again, those are my expectations. I expect it to be very good, um, but again, I'm very excited to see him in, uh, I guess, this setting, like you're saying. Yeah, I'm right. I'm right there with you, Johnny. Mrs. Doubtfire is definitely my like number one. I mean, all of those things that came out around that time. Hook, I really love. I know people don't like it for various reasons, but I think it's a fun, you know, fun retelling of, of Peter Pan that I quite enjoy. You know, the some one of my like the hidden gems, I guess, of his filmography that I really enjoy is World's Greatest Dad. Uh, which is a oh, Bobcat Goldweight yeah. uh, black comedy, which I, I really, really enjoy. Um, so that one, you know, that's a lesser a lesser known, like that wasn't, you know, that's not your night at the museums. That's not your, you know, your big ones. That It is not you, at all. <laughs> no. Um, so I really enjoy that one as well because, I you know, he does mix things up a lot. And, you know, obviously later on in his in his career, he changed things up in his own perspective by not just doing the slapstick over the top, you know, voices and, you know, bits that, that he was accustomed to or that people were accustomed to seeing from him, you know, in like Jumanji or things like that. But I really like I really like that movie as well. So those are probably like, you know, some of my favorite uh, Robin Williams movies in terms of war movies. I've never been super big on the genre like i've seen some of the staples you know i full metal jacket would probably be the one that i would say if we were going strictly vietnam whereas mm-hmm. like a saving private ryan would probably be the the best like my favorite overall um, mm-hmm. but again i i'm not a person who runs out and sees every war movie i think that that's probably something more of a an older generational kind of thing like i know like my dad isn't even a big movie person but like he went out and saw like midway you know because he was really excited to go see that uh, yeah. So I don't know that like I have necessarily the the depth of knowledge to be able to to pull. So you know it's probably the easy answer to say you know, Full Metal Jacket and uh, <laughs> and Saving Private Ryan, but like it's just never really been my genre, which is probably also why I never went in you know to see this movie because it would have been like no one told me specifically that like oh you need to watch this when I would have been watching things like Full Metal Jacket or mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan. It wouldn't have been necessarily the one that people would have gone to first, but that doesn't mean I, I don't think it's going to be a, a really good time and a really enjoyable movie. Yeah, I almost think now that you're talking about it, that like movies that are sort of so central to uh, Vietnam, that um, I almost enjoy the movies where Vietnam, at least the war, is a backdrop to the story. It's, it's not mm-hmm. like really involved, almost kind of like Forrest Gump. They spend like half an hour on it, and it's like, but it very much kind of like lives throughout the movie, the whole mm-hmm. thing. I'm just trying to think of like other ones that I think I think Tom Cruise did one, Born on the Fourth of July. I believe that's from Vietnam. Yep. He kind of comes. So it's not really mm-hmm. at the war, but he comes back as a paraplegic or whatever. And it's like all yeah. the aftermath of that. I think is Jacob's Ladder. Like, is he like a Vietnam vet? And he's having like PS, 
PTSD or whatever. So again, I I think I enjoy elements of the Vietnam War. I don't really know if I enjoy like watching a story set in the whole uh, the war and everything. Not because it's like uh, like uh, an uninteresting war or anything like that, but I guess it just there's so many movies and stories that are defined by people coming back and telling stories about it that, that I almost enjoy the storytelling part of it more of like being there even to what it even back it up a little bit far but like it's so funny like even hearing more and more like this uh robin williams movies like i just didn't you just keep right. mentioning them they like it's like hook and then it's um jack and it just uh, jumanji you said jumanji, i could really yeah. on that um I, I i don't think i've ever seen the night in museums but uh yeah i don't really know why i did, never really chose i just maybe because i just I, I imagine how the movie's going to go and I hate I hate when I do that to myself because I think a lot of the times I end up missing like really good movies or gems. Um so I hope I'm proven wrong and in, in thinking that I will be delightfully surprised by this movie. But I also fear that it's going to go exactly where it's going to go in this and just follow the normal A to B to C sort of acts and tropes of movies. But again, I, I hope I'm wrong and if I'm not, then it still could be very enjoyable as well. Adam, any expectations from you? Yeah, I mean, to, to Johnny's point about the differences in, like, the, the Vietnam War movies, I think it's different. Because, like, World War II movies are basically all about, like, the war. Because yeah. there was more – it was more battle-centric still. Like, the – and the mm-hmm. fact that it was the world over, everyone was super focused on on the different, you know, theaters of the war. Uh, and I think, too, just the nature of the – the enemy that we were fighting in World War II, from an American's perspective, at least, everyone was kind of on board. Like yeah. everyone was right. doing their part for the effort. You know, they were buying war bonds and they were giving up their tires, and you know, everyone was going to work in the factories and they were mm-hmm. halting baseball and all these different things. Whereas, like, Vietnam was so divisive yeah. from everyone involved, and that's why I think the stories around it are so much more entertaining and enthralling than the actual like theater of war itself. Yeah. Right. Because, because the people who are probably writing the movies were ones that grew up watching protests or, you know, whose parents maybe, depending on what year, obviously this is 80s, so this would have been probably people who would have grown up, you know, watching it happen, watching the protests, watching, you know, their parents' thoughts on it, who had probably lived through World War II or who were kids when their parents were living through World War II. So that kind of generational change uh, would have happened. And because it was so divisive in terms of not wanting the U.S. to be involved, there wasn't like a clear, you know, bad guy, so to speak. It was just mm-hmm. the evil yeah. communism. I think that's why like the stuff surrounding it, uh, especially the stuff that, you know, happens back home uh, really is a lot more engaging. And the stuff about, you know, the the veterans coming back because they were people who didn't want to go a lot of them, a lot of them were drafted. They didn't believe in it. They didn't want to go. And then when they came back, they were mistreated. So I think those aspects of it typically make for a more like engaging and entertaining movie. So I'm interested to see what this thinking that this is mostly going to be set on some kind of base or with him actually like actively deployed, I think is going to be a bit different, but I'm excited nonetheless to see how it plays out. And I don't really have any expectations in terms of the tone. I don't think it's going to be anywhere near 
you know, slapsticky. Obviously, I don't think this is going to be like like Popeye for him. <laughs> you know, I mean, Popeye's a sailor. He's a he's a soldier too. He's enlisted. Yeah, right. technically, he he is enlisted. <laughs> yeah, I, so I don't think this is going to be that that end of the Robin Williams spectrum. But I, I I'm also not necessarily anticipating the one hour photo end of the spectrum either. I feel like there's going to be a good mix of both funny but also like heart-wrenchingly sad. <laughs> so that's kind of the expectation I have going in. But yeah. uh, the exciting part is, is we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, I think it would be remiss if we didn't mention two Goliaths in the Vietnam, you know, Apocalypse Now and um, the Deer yeah. Hunter is Deer another Hunter one. Is um, like so again, the... movie, movies that are set in Vietnam, but they're not really about the war. They're about sort of like the psychological breakdown of mm-hmm. like being there. It, yeah. Unlike other movies where the compelling aspects of it are the storming of a beach or, you know, the, the bloodletting or the action or whatever, this like all the all, all, all the warfare sort of happens like in the mind, if you will. So that's why there's so many good movies about how Vietnam destroyed people after they came home opposed to mm-hmm. what actually happened there. So, yeah, I think I'm with Adam. I think it's going to be a good mix of, of drama and comedy, leaning more towards the the comedy elements. Again, it's it's revered for for obvious reasons, but you love it. Um, I le- I think you love it. You're recommending it to both of us. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm excited. Again, it's I'm I'm finally again not to sort of put the one to bed, but I'm finally I'll be able to know when I see it in a compilation of Robin Williams and be like, <laughs> okay, yes, I have seen that. I know the context. Good morning, Vietnam, the whole thing. So I don't know if the movie ends with him saying good evening, Vietnam. We'll see. I could be wrong. But when was the last time you saw this, Bridget? It has been a while. Um, this is this is a in my own secret heart, another category I would put this in is a dad movie. Like this is definitely a movie I watched with my father at some point, probably while he had my brother and I. And my mother was probably upset with him for letting us watch it <laughs> over the weekend, kind of thing. But it's probably been at least 10 years to the point that I did. I like had to go back and sort of refresh a little bit of like, right. what's wh- what is the plot of this movie? <laughs> Which I think it can be a common thing with mm-hmm. like a good Robin Williams. Like if Robin Williams is really on fire, sometimes you can be like, it is hard to like stay grounded in like what the plot of the film is. Um, yeah. So I'm excited too, in some ways, to to revisit, and I hope it remains as golden and as it is in my memory. <laughs> I think it's going to be charming. It's I think it's going to be funny. I because I I don't I can't really think of a Robin Williams movie that I didn't like on some sort of level. Like even Bicentennial Man, like it's a two hour bore. It's just so there's nothing happens in that movie, but it's Robin Williams and he's a yeah. fucking robot. Like this. <laughs> Oh, that's another Robin Williams movie I like, Robots. <laughs> that movie's good. I like that movie. I thought Wait, it was really funny. What, what is, is that what, iRobot or are you talking about Robots? Wait, what? Robots, a, the animated it, movie. Yeah. Oh. It's the voice of like the main like sidekick robot. Oh, interesting. I know he plays like an animated character at the end of uh, Artificial Intelligence, the uh, Spielberg movie. But, oh, really? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, he, uh, he's, uh, did you guys see it or no? No, no, that's not what I'm oh, saying. Okay, I don't know. He plays like some sort of AI computer that just trying to directs Haley Joel Osment to the end of the movie. But um, <laughs> the character's name is Doctor No, but like yes, like yes, Bond villain, but like like knowledge. No, 
Right. Correct. No, I, 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 I don't think. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to enjoy this movie. I know on some sort of level, just because it's a Robin Williams vehicle. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think at the very least, there'll be something that each of us could pick out as like, a, oh, this was a really nice moment, even if the rest of it is just like a slog, which I don't anticipate it being. But yeah. right, Robin Williams can elevate even the the worst of things. So. At least for me. Yeah. Some people nope. probably nope. find him completely grinding and, and, and hate him, but I don't know how you can't. He's such a lovely man. Not my friends, I hope. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Is it time? Is it time for us to say good morning, Vietnam? Uh, <laughs> not quite, but I think it's time for us to say fine. fine. I'll, I'll watch, watch it. it. <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah. yeah. All right, and we are back, having just finished Good Morning Vietnam. Johnny, Adam, how are you feeling? Adam? I love this movie so much. <laughs> this, Yay! That, that was so good. That was fantastic. Oh. Oh, I'm so excited. I feel like that's the most enthusiastic, <laughs> like, post-film reaction we've had in a while. Like, that was, At least for Adam. It was really, really good. Oh, wait a second. At least for Adam. What does that mean? <laughs> no, I mean, like, for you to come away from oh, really, yeah, really yeah, liking okay. a movie. Yeah, um, yeah. No, I, I, I would say that uh, I am not quite at love, but I really liked it. Fair enough. Fair enough. I think I, I'm sort of the same, but I'm very excited for Adam. Tell us what, how, why do you feel that way? What, what? There was baseball. What did in it, it for you? Yeah. Yeah, there was baseball in it. Oh my god, that that joke about three up, three down had me in stitches. <laughs> where the guy, where the what is it? I forget what rank he is, but the dude who like runs the yeah. the whole thing, but not the main guy, was like, "Do I look like a sir to you? What does three up, three down mean to you?" And he's like, "It's a baseball inning, sir." It's like. <laughs> stitches and then he teaches him baseball yeah no um beyond the baseball uh i just it had all of the things that i thought that it would like it had all of the super robin williams-esque comedy which will try and get to some of their our favorite bits of of sure i, I know there are many i don't know if you guys felt the same way or not but i got a few uh, notes yeah i mean that stuff i thought was you know classic Robin Williams and is exactly what I was expecting. And then it also had that, that kind of almost full metal jacket aspect to it where it like, it's funny at the beginning and then it kind of gets sad. The more you like, the longer you, you know, stay with the conflict, so to speak. Um, and I kind of expected going in that we, that it would be like this super funny, but also then like crushingly sad, like the, the heart and the sadness uh, of you know Robin Williams's character towards the end, I thought was really poignant, and it was a really good uh, example of kind of the the different ways in which you have to think about that period of time. Uh, I love the little touches, like the every time there was like a news bulletin update that came across the wire on the incredibly fast typing machines, where it's like, you know, we're increasing this from thirty thousand troops to fifty thousand troops. We're increasing it from 50,000 to 150,000. Like we're increasing troops to 300,000 to 400,000. And so the longer he's there, like the worse that it's getting. 
and it's you know and you can see that kind of through his portrayal and through his own story and so that mirroring of those two things i thought was really good um and i just i just love robin williams and i think he just absolutely knocked this out of the park in everything uh, that he needed to and, and kind of conveyed all of the right the right emotions and the right tones and i just overall on the whole it just it was a really really good movie for me Right on. Yeah, I um, I, 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 I had a battle with this movie because I really, I really enjoyed it, but uh, I just, it, for me, it's like again, it's like almost like every other Robin Williams vehicle. Like in in most cases, you don't think about it, but like you like remove Robin Williams, like what is this movie? Like what is it? Is it like worth telling? And as far as a vehicle for him, it's 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 obviously catered for him, but it also is probably the most like relentless Robin Williams movie I've ever watched. To the point where I I I put the subtitles on because I just could not keep up <laughs> with like his dialogue, which is a, which is a good thing, you know what I mean? Because it's so rapid fire and he's so talented. Yeah, I enjoyed some of the more dramatic elements. Some of it seemed a little. I, I what I it, it is what it is. It's Vietnam. It's the Vietnam War. It's dark, but um, you know, like when the, the the restaurant blew up and it was like all of a sudden there's like mutilated bodies and everything. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and then um, and, and I think towards the end, I honestly I mentioned the baseball game because honestly it all it pretty much like saved the movie for me because at that <laughs> point I didn't care for like the fourth act revelation that this kid was like a terrorist. Like I don't know. If it needed it, I mean, obviously we had to sort of find a way for Robin Williams to be kicked out of the, out of the war, if you will. Yeah, there, it was more of a a movie of moments for me and like sequences where in between you know, I thought I was just Robin Williams being Robin Williams, which I honestly for sometimes it's good and sometimes it's like it's a little much for me. I mean, I get that. This yeah. it, it's so rapid fire and it's so and it's so referential too that like. It's just going to keep hitting you over the head with obscure celebrity references from the 60s and, you know, different, yep. uh, you know, political stuff going on right, at the time. Right. And so I feel like that's that's a lot to try to process, because even if you do know it, you have to kind of like it's not a thing that most people will know, like right off the top of their head. So it almost takes you out of it thinking like, OK, who is that person? And why is that funny? Like it was funny. But yeah. Like, and while you're thinking about it, you've missed like 30 yeah. jokes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I totally get that part of it. And I kind of agree with the um, the revelation uh, towards the end. Like I don't necessarily think it needed that other than an excuse to get him home. But it was something I was expecting from the moment the bomb went off that. that oh, was... really? I didn't, I didn't pick it up. Oh, yeah, immediately, because I was like, yeah, no, that girl didn't seem to have a good time on the date. Why was she so desperate to see him? Why is he going to lose his chance? And then when they went and met the family and she was still cold, that's when I was like, oh, yeah, no, he definitely had something to do with it to the point where I was almost like relieved when it was revealed that that was the case, because I was like, okay, good, because otherwise those red herrings were very, very, very red. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, – Again, I enjoyed it. I I really enjoyed Forrest Whitaker in this. It really reminded mm-hmm. me that he is such a good actor, and he 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 doesn't necessarily save a lot of movies, but he just he, he's a highlight in a lot of like movies for me. Even like some movies that are not like that good, like Phenomenon. <laughs> like I don't know if you ever seen that with John Travolta. He's like his best friend in that. Like he's great in that. And besides that, the movie's not that good. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, he's, I think he's in Panic Room. He's in a bunch of like I, I just quickly kind of went through his filmography. I'm like, oh shit, he's in so many good mm-hmm. or so many um, good roles in like mediocre movies. I mean, now I'm not saying this is a mediocre movie, but and usually he's like a serious like serious type of actor, so he's pretty goofy in this. He's real goofy in this. He's I like him a lot. Goofy in this, and I, I will say he, I love the fact that they 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 put in two more times that he's trying to start the car. <laughs> like it just got funnier and funnier every time he tried to do it. It's a quirk. It's a special thing about him. It makes it, it is, unique. It is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to toss it over to you, Bridget, and we can obviously keep circling back. But I mean, after mm-hmm. seeing it after for not a, a while, what was your uh, what was your takeaway? <laughs> I was, you know, I'm still sort of like there were parts that I was like, oh my god, I I really miss Robin Williams, like. God damn. Right. Mm-hmm. But I definitely, I, I see what you're saying, Johnny, of like, if he were removed, like, what, how would this movie move forward? But I think, I do think this movie is interesting in some ways. Like, I just, I can't, I don't know that it totally had a good grasp on sort of what tone it wanted to sort of sit in right um which maybe is fine which maybe works for sort of the era that they're looking at and particularly the circumstances that you know adrian cronauer finds himself in of like you know i'm here i'm expected to be goofy i'm expected to be light and i'm essentially i'm living through this very difficult time and like people that i think are essentially good people are doing bad things. Like people are making like really difficult choices. It just, but I don't know how successful it is at that. And I don't know if that's intentional or a mistake. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, it doesn't, it it tries to provide like just enough commentary for it to be, to have some sort of weight to like the war and everything that's going on. I mean, the only thing you ever really got was like the shit that was on the typewriter and then mm-hmm. you obviously got like the bomb um, or like the I mean, I loved all like the fan mail pouring in about it, like missing him. And um, I mean, we can go. I, I'll, I'll touch back on later on because yeah. some of the fan mail is so funny. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it doesn't is I don't think it's entirely successful as being some sort of thought piece on the war or anything like that. It's just a it's a good backdrop yeah. for it. It's a good thing, you know, um, I think I think where it's successful, like uh, probably the movie's most successful scene is like when he's stopped in the car with Forrest Whitaker and like right. they see all the GIs and he's just mm-hmm. like having a conversation. The that's the most successful scene when he's when he's interacting with them, like what's your name? And like ad living on the spot. And that and that sort of like he's being reinvigorated of like, oh, this is my purpose. Mm-hmm. I think sort of the if you want to have this moment where, you know, this your friend comes to you and essentially tells you he's a terrorist and then has this very emotional monologue of his own being like, I am essentially living under an occupation, like you've killed my family, you've killed my neighbors, like what did you expect? You know, it's weird to then have, like, sort of, in some ways, like, the bad guy of the movie is just a dick. Like, you know what I mean? Like, his yeah. mm-hmm. his boss, like, 
you know, it's hard for me to be like, all right, so you want to have this sort of more critical seeming look at like the military's involvement in Vietnam. Okay. I, like, I don't know. No. Yeah. Like, I, I think where you're you getting at, I mean? I, it flips the narrative way too late in the game to sort of like be like, Oh, okay. Maybe that's what like the whole reason it just, they don't really allude to the fact that it's, it could be the fact that we were the bad people and they're the good people for like the entire running time until like that last scene. Yeah. I just, it, again, it's, it's, it's pluses and it's riches live within Robin Williams. And, yeah. and it's, uh, it's a movie that he, it, the improv here is probably the, the most that I've seen in all of his movies. I mean, obviously most of the movies that he's cast in are loosely yeah. scripted at best, but this seems like, like insert Robin and then like, that's it. Like, and then there's just blank pages of just him just going off of whatever. I mean, um, I know that someone wrote this script. <laughs> I know it was so, a screenwriter, but I... <laughs> so it's actually, so it's based off of uh, a script that was initially written as a pilot by the real life um, Cronauer. So he's a real person. Okay. Yeah, I was, I was researching that a little bit after, after I finished to see like, was this real? What did this happen to any? Yeah. <laughs> yeah about 20 minutes, in, about 20 minutes into the movie, I was like, wait a minute. Did we even talk about the fact that this might be like a semi true story? But that's interesting that he actually was a real person. Yeah. He was a real person. Um, but he has sort of said like he, he was a DJ. He did serve in Vietnam, but he's basically said like, uh, most of the things that you see did not happen to me besides the fact that like I did teach English there at one point and at one point the restaurant across the street from where I was standing like there was a bomb that exploded but other than that he's like none of those things like if I had tried even an ounce of what Robin Williams does in this movie I would have been immediately court-martialed like yeah, there, no absolutely not but he had written it initially as a pilot like and had been shopping it around earlier as a TV show. And yeah, he said it, he wanted a he wanted to, a combination of MASH and WKRP in Cincinnati. <laughs> Which I mean that's kind of what it it's is. It's kind of so what I it mean, is, yeah. 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 I don't think that I think that this probably would have worked really well as a TV show back then if you I mean it wouldn't have been to the zany degree and we would have been you know, had the Robin Williams version taken away most likely, but I still think this could have been really good as a, cause I mean, he's there for at least what, eight weeks before, you know, stuff kind of goes wrong. I forget how life he says at the end, how long he was there for, but um, I mean, that's several seasons worth. This easily could have been a, a TV yeah. show. Right. Um, but an another interesting thing that the director, so this movie is directed by Barry Levinson, who, mm -hmm. The like next year wins best director for Rain Man. Um, he like very specifically kept Cronauer and Robin Williams apart, like really deliberately. Like I do not want Cronauer to have any influence on how you portray him. Essentially, like very much wanted just Robin yeah. Williams as mm -hmm. Robin Williams, which. You definitely get in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get sure. a lot of it. Yeah. I wanted to just touch, before we get off of it completely, just like the tone part of it um, with regards to like the messaging, where obviously that like that last monologue by 
is it Trin or Tran? I forget the mm-hmm. the terrorist. Where like, yeah, that part's pretty heavy handed in terms of the the political messaging. But I think even the rest of the movie is something where it does a good job with not only just you give you get the bad news via the the wire that comes into the radio station, but also you just have to kind of think about it in terms of like. It seems like it's all fun and games until you're standing in front of a general or a superior and they smack you down and put you in your place. And I think that juxtaposition of like, just because you're having fun and life seems rosy and peachy keen, like it's not. And I think that comes from the time period of like the 60s was free, you know, free love and and happiness and Woodstock and all these different things. While at the same time, people were, you know, coming home by the the thousands in in body bags. And so I think that that, even though it's not necessarily deliberate throughout, I think it does a good job of kind of smacking you down a little bit and make, making you know that like there is seriousness to the situation. It's not just all, you know, zany gags and, you know, and rock music. And I think the most successful part of them pointing to like the, the seriousness of this movie was, and I know it's it's they use it all the time in movies, but the Louis Armstrong montage, I was like, okay, this is yeah. that was good. That was like a good representation of like the sort of melancholy of the war and everything that was going on. I think beyond that, there's really not a lot of good commentary like we were talking about as far as like the war. But well, I mean, the the part where the Bridget mentioned earlier, where they're stuck behind all the cars and he's doing the riffing with each of the soldiers. I mean, yeah, one that's of the very great. first. And but one of the very first things that he says in that was like, "Where are you guys going? Oh, that's serious. Like that's real." And you kind of see this look on his face of like, oh, "These kids aren't gonna like all of these kids aren't making it back." Like true. Not only is this the you know I would probably never see them again because there's so many soldiers and I'm just one person here at the radio station. I'm not gonna meet or see everybody. But like these trucks, these you know half a dozen trucks or whatever are going to go out wherever they're going to go. And they're going to come back with way less people on them and way less trucks. And you kind of see that in his face of just like that sadness of the situation. And I thought, and granted, watching it now, given what we know of Robin's life was like so gut-wrenching to me. Because he was sitting there looking at these faces of people that like just rely on him to make their day. And the weight of that was like, you can see it in his eyes and in on his face, which obviously, you know, knowing what we know now made it even, even worse. to kind of like watch that. But I thought that was a, a really good moment of like, he doesn't have to say necessarily that like war is bad and this is a complicated measure and maybe we shouldn't be like, it doesn't necessarily need that part of it, which I agree with. Um, but I think the, the movie does a good enough job of showing you that without necessarily spelling it out, at least to me in especially yeah. a moment yeah. like that, where it's just, I, you can tell that he's gut wrenched that like, right. okay, I'm going to do it. Cause it, it, it means the world to these guys. And this could be the last thing they remember before they're gone. Yeah. I think that's and, fair. Yeah. I mean, I, I think also too, like they, they knew, I mean, I, I can't think of too many movies before this with Robin Williams, but I know plenty afterwards uh, again, play to his strengths, which again, not only is he super funny and I uh, can come up with the shit on the fly. He also like knows like you can see in his eyes. This guy has a heart. He wears it on a sleeve like so it, it's again, it's it's a per, it's a perfect opportunity to do that because he he has a heart. And I think a lot of comedians have a hard time maybe conveying that in some uh, respect in a lot of movies. They just they're just there to be funny and they just kind of hand they just kind of I don't know 
phone at home, I guess, if you will, and some of the, the more uh, emotional things. But I think every time it comes off as genuine with Robin Williams. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, and I think sometimes he gets lumped in with like comedians turned actors, but like in reality, like Robin Williams like went to Juilliard. He is an actor turned comedian. Oh, yeah, he's super smart. Like, Mm -hmm. so talented. And, like, the fact that he is, like, he was very funny, very quick. You know, I think he sort of was in that mold for a while. But, like, he's just a great actor, too. Like, what you were saying, Adam, like, you can see, like, sort of these things wash over his face that are unspoken that really give a lot of weight to what's going on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the whole the whole scene where he's, you know, first gets back to the radio station and he wants to go on the air after the bombing uh, and talk about the bombing, which, you know, came in as news, but he wasn't allowed to report as news. Like that scene, too, of just like the head in the hands, the like head butting the microphone of just stress and sadness mm-hmm. and just you just feel all of that because he's such a good actor beyond just the the voices and the you know the sound effects and the the quips and all of that stuff it's moments like that and at the end too when he when he realizes that he just yelled at this kid like an an actual you know child who's seen war firsthand for however many years that this has been going on at that point i forget what what year this technically takes place in but like you can even see the moment on his face there where he's just like fuck like i just yelled at this kid for you know defending his family essentially uh and maybe i don't agree that he's going about it the right the right way but like fuck this isn't easy for him just like it's not easy for me and it's not like not fair to to do that to him and all of that is conveyed without a single word or just the word of like oh wait like i think he says oh wait and then chases after him a second time but like all of that is just like oh shit like this is what i just I'm like putting it together now that it's not necessarily about me and that there's this larger picture. Um, and even that is conveyed like without, you know, with just facial expressions and just that, like the heavy sigh and the breathing. Right. Yeah. You see such a uh, selfless comedian. I think a lot of comedians find their humor in berating people with jokes. And he, he does it in such a way that he always comes off as being like, funny from the heart and not kind of like funny from like the mouth you know what i mean i i mm-hmm. it just, it's just yeah. it's like from within you know what i mean yeah it's not mean funny yeah it's not mean spirited mm-hmm. it's i don't think it's ever been that way um, i mean even the characters that he dislikes in the movie you know he other than the one at the end where he tells him he needs a blowjob more than any white man in history. <laughs> <laughs> not only was that funny but i thought the general or whoever it was getting in the elevator and repeating the joke to himself and chuckling oh, yeah. I, thought, I thought that was equally funny um <laughs> But yeah, like even the people that he doesn't like, like, the comedy's not mean. He's just like he says something like some one of those characters says something and he just turns it around on them in like because he's taking what they're saying literally uh, as opposed to, you know, like the words that they're using are literal rather than the message they're trying to convey. And like, yeah, that would rile you up if someone was doing that to you. But it's funny, but he's not making fun of you. He's just saying a thing right. that you said, but differently. He's just holding up a mirror. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So he's not he's not saying like, yeah, well, whatever, like other than the guy who's like, look at his ears, you can, you can fly a plane on those things or whatever. <laughs> um, but even that's just like it's a good natured ribbing that you would it expect is, yeah. in a military setting of someone to 
remark how big your ears are. <laughs> um, I guess this is a good segue into the the many, many, many funny lines in this movie. Oh, um, and I honestly, tried to write down a, a bunch, but there's so many. Yeah, it just becomes sloppier and sloppier in my handwriting. But I mean, the whole Wizard of Oz bit killed me too. He, I think he nailed like every character part. I, I again, I don't remember the context as much. I just wrote down Wizard of Oz, and I knew it was so funny when I heard it. Um, <laughs> well, there's a couple con- like there's a couple references because I think even when they're walking, he's like when they're after the car explodes he even says like we're not in kansas anymore or something like oh that. yeah and then even at the end of the movie he's talking about like wearing the ruby shoes or whatever so there's like a there's a, a little bit of a uh a through line with a uh, wizard of oz through the whole thing i thought everything with the the classroom was hilarious mm-hmm. the english class um, the, the guy in the back of the room oh, was just the best. Seconds late on everything <laughs> yeah i think what i write down hey baby what's happening let's groove <laughs> <laughs> Give me some skin. Give me some, give me some skin. skin. Yeah, yeah, and the 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 student being like, I I wouldn't do anything. Oh him yeah, trying that to was like... great too. I'm oh yeah, I'm waiting to waiting die. To for die. This <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting to die. Yeah, no, that was fine. Everybody, everybody in the class is great. The uh, the the lady from the class, like when they go to play baseball at the end, and she literally just keeps running past first base with her little like old lady waddle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was <laughs> great. So cute. Yeah, I mean that whole first broadcast, and like pretty much all of the broadcasts are, are pretty standard. Um, but I just like the constant, the constant quips, the constant talking about the weather and how crappy it is. Oh yeah, with the Walter like, Wal- Cronkite, it's hot yeah. and shitty outside yeah. next week. And then the phone calls that come in, like, no, sir, I don't think that was Walter Cronkite. I know it wasn't. He's in Washington. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't figure out who his, uh, his like immediate supervisor was from. I mean, it, it threw me off because he sounded like Joe Pesci the entire time. Oh, Bruno uh, Kirby? Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. What else He's, has he been in? City Slickers. Oh, yeah. that's right. Uh, and when Harry met Sally. When Harry met Sally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's um, the fr- he's the friend who's uh, with Princess Leia. Yeah, I yeah. think he's in one of the Godfathers yes. too. I'm not sure. He, yeah, he's in the Godfather too. Okay, um, he is. Okay. Um, but yeah, all the all the stuff about him thinking that he was funny about playing poker and all that other shit. Oh man, yeah. that whole that whole radio broadcast where he's like, God, he's like, please do not go on the air with this. It's not funny. <laughs> well, then why were you laughing? Because I was thinking of something else. Yeah, I was thinking of something else. <laughs> Just don't, like, please, sir. And then when he does the first bit, and he leans back in his chair, super confident, like crosses his arms and is like, "Oh yeah, he, like, I he think you switch. owe me an apology." <laughs> 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 then the guy behind the board just says, D- "You're not going to finish the broadcast, are you?" I honestly almost felt kind of bad at the end because he was so persistent that he thought he was funny. Like, I think that last line before he gets like let go by his. His uh, supervisor or sergeant, he's like, but in my heart, I know I'm funny. And I was yeah. like, that's kind of sad. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's not even like funny. It's funny at this point. It's like this guy legitimately has like a, a, a like a mental issue or something where he thinks that like he is that funny. It's rough. Give it's me a rough, little yeah. bit of a like a oh, 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 no. His hands like shaking while he's saluting because he's so confident in it. <laughs> I loved at the beginning when he, you know, when he first meets Robin Williams, he's like, I'm a little bit of a comedian myself. And 
Like, I'm super funny, and I'm definitely, like, one of the funny ones. Or I'm like, dude, never, ever brag about how funny you are. Yeah. <laughs> to strangers. I've, unless you're trying to... going oh, yeah, into Reader's Digest. Reader's Digest, yeah. Like, dude, never brag that you're funny unless you're trying to get laid by the person you're bragging to that you're funny. <laughs> oh, you know what's a good kind of, like a sh- like, a scene that made me chuckle when he takes over and he starts playing the polkas? And you have those sort of, like, classic, like, Vietnam movie shots of, like, helicopters and, like, guys throwing duffel bags, but (laughs) there's a polka playing in the background. Mm -hmm. Like, it's so, I don't know, that was delightful to me. It's just so funny. He's such a weird character. Like, when he's, like, you gotta be playing, like, classic rock or something, he goes, I I might spin the occasional, like, Jerry Lewis album or something. (laughs) Well, it's a, I mean, polka is just an under, it's for the underrepresented silent majority. The silent majority. <laughs> the silent the, yeah. Yeah. I, like I, halfway through, I wrote, I wrote, Hawk is such a dweeb. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love all the fan mail, the, hey, Hawk, eat a bag of shit. You suck. <laughs> uh, my favorite was he licks the sweat off a dead man's balls. And I don't even know what that means, but it doesn't sound good. <laughs> Yeah, you can't do comedy to save your own dick. <laughs> Soldiers are mean, man. See, that's mean comedy. That's mean yeah. comedy, yeah. But he kind of deserved it for playing all that polka. Right, right. Oh, that was too funny. No, I loved. I know. I like. I know that we're supposed to hate him because he's a like an a hole character. But I love that character so much. Just because oh, it, it, it's good. How you just ridiculous! Can't hate Bruno Kirby, like yeah. And he's just so like it's the confidence in which he fails, and then the spectacular failures that accompany it. Um, so where you're right, he is kind of sad leaving the room. But I mean, at least he wasn't like fired. He just had to kind of tuck his tail between his legs a little bit, and you know, and bring uh, and bring Robin Williams back. But oh man, every every okay. time he was on screen, I was just. I was dying laughing. Yeah, because you know that guy's walking away and he's still going to try and do comedy for the rest of his life. Like, well, there's nothing going to shoot him down. Yeah. I, I love the very, like, the very first meeting that they have where, like, it's the after Robin Williams' first show and they have, like, the team meeting in the room and, like, no one's giving him the time of day. Everybody's just laughing at him to his face. Nobody salutes the man, even though that's one of the privileges. And then he turns to leave, and the dude standing there just doesn't move. And he's like, I'd like to leave now. And he's like, oh, okay, my bad. (laughs) (laughs) And then you can see him pantomiming, like, oh, yeah. The whole, like, just chewing him out afterwards. Oh, that was too funny. I mean, I, I really enjoy, like, obviously Robin Williams is Robin Williams, and he's the star and the number one thing that anyone would probably like about this movie. But I think all the supporting people in this are great. Um, like you said, I love uh, Forrest Whitaker. I thought he was great. He was real funny. The the upbeat, like, and he's that way from the get-go, where he's just, like, upbeat and happy and, like, excited uh, and it, that carries over throughout, except for when he absolutely needs to like put it on where he's like, no, you need to come back to the radio station. How dare you like that? That whole scene was yeah. great. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Robert Wall. I think he's I, I really enjoy him because I was a big fan of our list from back in the day. Uh, so I really enjoyed him as like the other guy. And uh, the very first person that starts talking at the very beginning of the movie, who's from I think he's a lawyer in Sopranos and. He's the bad guy from the Chevy Chase movie, Man of the House. Uh, but like his cadence at the very beginning, I was like, oh, my God, that would drive me nuts. 
I want oh, like, like the meathead. Is that what we're talking about? I'm trying to picture who you're talking about. He's kind of got like the receding. He's the very first person that starts talking at the very beginning of the movie. And he's like the one he's the one that Robin Williams throws to at the end of every show. Like, OK, gotcha. Dan, oh, Dan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dan, yeah. Or whatever, like that, dude. Uh, his whole cadence is just like up and down and very deliberate. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. This would not fly. <laughs> like, I'm over here in a rice paddy. I do not want to listen to this man. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I, I all the stuff that I've written down, I knew this was going to happen, too, because this movie is so rapid fire. But just, like, the context of stuff, I mean, if you just read this, I mean, it's going to make sense to you guys because we just watched it. But, like, Pope on a Rope, I have no idea why. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't remember the context of it at all, but I wrote it down because it was so funny when I heard it. Vatican, um, like bath and shower accessories. So, oh, that's uh, right, that's right. <laughs> I love the uh, the news item that he has to read, where it's like the the Pope issues mass in Italian. Ah, when in Rome, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pope on a rope was funny. Yeah, I mean, I wrote down protective dyke when he's. <laughs> oh, we we can't say that. We have to say women in comfortable shoes. Yeah, women in comfortable <laughs> shoes. Yeah. Oh my I goodness! The one line, because like I, I didn't keep good notes of like all the the gags and the lines, because like I knew like once you got going on it's that like first impossible. one, I was like, it's not happening. But I did write one down when he first meets Dickerson, who's like the the the, the sergeant the major, really bad, yeah, sergeant major, three really up, three bad down. dude, three up, three down, <laughs> um, and like. Dickerson basically chews him out like you better shape up or ship out and he leaves the room and Robin Williams just looks to um, Boris Whitaker like he reminds me of Donna Reed something in the (laughs) eyes like just so like that was the first one that I was like yes hell yes I know there's just like all the Knicks and stuff was really good Mm -hmm. um I like. Go ahead, madam. I was gonna say the. Uh, um, I think it was in the the very first meeting where they were just making fun of of Hawk's use of like shorthand, where he's like, uh, if the VP is VIP and he comes to the DMC, oh, yeah. should we? Do... <laughs> just like, <laughs> and like everyone's just laughing at the dude's face. He's like, exactly. We're moving on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like even when uh, when he gets kicked off the first time of the. Uh the show and he's like at the bar drunk with all the shrimp heads on his fingers. Like it was just, like, Oh, <laughs> I wrote that down. Uh, yep. Oh yeah. Uh, Diana Ross and the Ross. Sopranos. Yeah. The shrimp yeah. head song. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be this drunk to be this funny. <laughs> bomb in another language. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. It's so relentless and not to, not to sort of like fall on the, uh, his comedy or anything, but I think, one of the reasons why I didn't love this movie as much is sometimes it felt like he was doing the jokes to make himself laugh and not, I, even though it's, he's like saying it to like an audience or, or whatever. Um, there were a lot of times where I felt like he's just saying a joke. And even though if he doesn't want anyone to laugh at it, he thinks it's funny or mm-hmm. like clever, you know what I mean? And it, and he's right. All of it is clever, but sometimes I think it's like self-servicing. I, it, maybe that's just me. I don't know. But, um, most of the time, that's not the case, but some of it did feel um, like a little much. Uh, 
Yeah, I mean, it does tend to get a little obscure for some of the references. And, and granted, we're not necessarily the target audience for a lot of those references, given that we we weren't alive in the 60s and, you know, we wouldn't have been privy to to all of sure. that stuff necessarily. But I would like to know, though, speaking of the self-serving laughter, I think I forget what bit he was doing, but there's one where he's like switching back and forth between two voices and he starts cracking up in the normal voice. <laughs> and I don't I like I really want to know, like. Was that an honest to goodness laugh or did the script say like he cracks while going back and forth between voices to illustrate how funny this bit is? <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to bet all of the broadcast there was nothing on paper beyond like let Robin do his thing. I just can't imagine that someone I mean, it's like it's it's like an Aaron Sorkin screenplay. It's like 300 pages long and it's like a 90 minute movie. It just it just rapid fire dialogue. I it just I there's no way that was scripted. I just can't wrap my head around how that would be. Yeah, yeah, I don't like maybe like s- subtle props like Donna right. Reed, <laughs> Vatican Two, like and that's it. <laughs> just keep just go. Right, prophylactic. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, a lot of it is short. In all those other movies, it's like shortened versions of what we see for like almost like ninety seconds, like two minutes straight of his broadcast. It's like mm-hmm. a lot and. I've seen like his stand up and it's very much in the same vein. It's like he has yeah. like 18 waters of bottle on stage and yeah, sweating by, through by like, yeah, by like an hour and he's soaked, like completely soaked. And I, and I laughed when he was chasing after that kid in like a dry shirt and like yeah. after like, like a block, he was just like soaked. I mean, granted it is Vietnam and I, it, it, speaking of, I've been to uh, Thailand uh, right next door and it's, it's every bit is as they say. It's disgustingly hot. It just they have three seasons, hot, hotter, and the hottest. That's it. It just there's no. It's it's so sticky and pungent. Um, yeah, it's not a uh, a climate for a, a white person to be running around uh, at all. A, a hairy white person. A hairy white person at that. I did love the joke where he's like, "You can't keep talking about the weather." Okay, it's not the same every day. It, did you know it's actually two degrees cooler here than it was yesterday? <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about Bruno Kirby's character, even though he is like a dweeb? <laughs> like, is fun. Oh yeah, right. His sergeant major is like evil for no reason, which even like the commander comments on at the end, like. You're cra- I thought you were crazy, but you're just mean. Um, and it took... I'm like, what? Like, you're going to try to have him killed? Mm-hmm. Like, that is such... A, it's so out there. Like, I'm like, didn't need to be a psychopath for us to still think he was a dick. Right. You know, like... I, I guess maybe you, you need... You need Cronauer to be in mortal danger so that his friend can come rescue him and then have it turn out that actually he's working for the Viet Cong and, you know, but now there's a, a dead involved. But just, like, I had forgotten about that element of the movie and I was like, what? It just, it's so Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, really strange. For like long stretches, the movie that guy's role is like irrelevant until it like pops up that he has to be there. Mm-hmm. I think the uh, the Kirby character is like perfectly fine being like 
like half dick, like half kind of like quirky. And also he could have easily just reported everything up to like that, the next guy up, you know what I mean? But you actually had like another guy who was like even more of a dick in between that. And I can't think of where that guy's from, but I know he plays a dick in every movie. He does. I could. Yeah. I had the same thought. Oh, like there's that dick. Yeah. And his name is literally Dickerson. Is it really? Um, right. Yes, it is. Yeah, it's and they like, call him Dick. His name is Dickerson. Yeah. Um. Sergeant. Yeah, that guy's an asshole in every movie. Yeah, he's like that. Uh, who's that actor? The um, is it German or Swedish? The the Skarsgård guy, the older guy. Oh, it's like that guy plays yeah. a villain in every movie. He plays a dick in every movie. He's got like that that face. It's like that guy's a fucking asshole. I know it. Like that. The, this guy Dickerson, like he has that same sort of face. It's a nice, punchable face. A nice, punchable face. Yeah, I didn't necessarily need him to like go out and try to commit like murder through war. Essentially, uh, I feel like you could have you could have just sent him out. You could have just sent Robin Williams and uh, and Garlic out uh, to, <laughs> do the, right. to, to do the That's reconnaissance. Right, garlic. Yeah, middle name's Trouble. Uh, his last name's Garlic. Edward Trouble Garlic. But like, you could have just sent them out to do the field thing. And they could have come across a bad stretch of road. Like you didn't need to specifically say like that road's not good, right? It's a bad road, right? So no one should be coming down that Hold road. On, let or... me hop on my evil phone. Yeah. <laughs> Send him out. Like. Yeah. Like I didn't think you needed that level of it. It could have just been a thing where it's like, you know, honestly, if you wanted to make him evil still, but not that evil, you could have just said, Hey, Dickerson wants you to go out and do some field interviews to go talk to some GIs, like we're sending you up and they were like, okay, well that happens. Like, it's fine. We'll go just the way that like they put reporters in the field in wars now and have been for years where it's like, you're just embedded for right now. We're going to have you go do some, some expose and, and some interviews. You didn't need to specifically spell out like this road is treacherous, right? This road is under the jurisdiction of the Viet Cong, right? Like, you could have taken that part out of it and then just had, the the news bit that got circled and crossed out that says this road is yeah. been taken over by the Viet Cong and you could have just had a throwaway line it's like yeah we're gonna we're gonna send you out into the field you're gonna take the A1 and we're gonna send you up to whatever like specific encampment these guys are at and then you would have seen that in the note you didn't necessarily need that super evil plan especially because it didn't seem like he got caught for that he just got transferred because he's an asshole <laughs> like, both right. things could have still taken place without that extra evil step yeah i think yeah in some ways like he's superfluous and i think removing him i think would do a lot more to kind of mesh some of the the tone issues of like just sort of the because some of what you see is just the mundane in and out of like just kind of military life like not the like really heightened like you're in a very intense situation but just where it's very regimented and bureaucratic and that in its way is like the in some ways the third villain of this movie or the third obstacle in some respects like yeah and just have that and like the impersonalness of that kind of system by not like trying to personalize it in the form of dickerson and make him like really like <laughs> snidely whiplash like <laughs> like you can it it would feel in some ways more authentic and i think some of the ending a little bit more earned yeah 
Um, I uh, I love that they had the redhead twins from Terminator Two in this. <laughs> I was like, I, when I first saw when I first saw the two of them together, I was like, holy shit! And I'm like, holy shit! They were twins. Like I didn't even put two and two together. Like when I watched Terminator Two, I figured. James Cameron just did something with mirrors or CGI or whatever. And I'm like, it's just one person. So when I saw the two of them sitting in the room, I'm like, holy shit, it's two of them. Yeah, they obviously didn't contribute shit to the movie besides like grabbing the paper from the printer, from the scanner. Crossing it out. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even put together that they were from uh, Terminator 2. Yeah. Now that I'm, I'm looking at the screenshot now from it of them like standing one in front of the other where it's clearly the you know, the T 1000 behind him, but I didn't even, I didn't even catch that. That's a, that's pretty funny. I loved their like little nod and the silent treatment that they constantly give, except yeah. when he has to like get up and be like, no, you can't read that. <laughs> I honestly, I couldn't, I didn't remember spoken dialogue from them at all. It just seemed like they just grabbed paper out of his hands. And no, I still could. One yeah, of I them could... specifically like says like, no, there are rules and regulations. Like you can't read out anything that isn't approved first or something like that. But other than that, it was pretty just, stoic silence and slight nods right yeah yeah i'm having a hard time understanding and maybe you guys can chime in like why those communications are being sent to the radio station of this and not some sort of like intel comms center i are they one and the same why is there so much redaction it just seems like a waste of ink like why is that information being sent there and why is there so much effort and like do you know what i mean like why is that happening yeah, that's interesting. I'm I, yeah, I'm trying to like, is it I mean, just uh, stuff going over like the AP wire? That right, is, like like like, then... like like other to be like a like a creative or like tricky way to sort of like uh, insert like this commentary or sort of like the story of Vietnam in this setting without like just putting up like standard text to let you know what's going on in the movie. Um, I couldn't really understand why they would be sending that information to that location and have like two guys on staff with like red crayola crayons redact like like everything that's on the page. Um, <laughs> right. And again, I don't mean to this is maybe just picking apart the movie or being a little uh, I don't but I can't even think of the word. But yeah, it just seemed odd to me like after a while because it was happening so much. And I'm like, wait a minute, like why? There's like three or four machines spitting out all this like confidential information and it's being put in the hands of like an air force officer from like across the world that has like no right, like seeing this information. I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird to me after a while. I assume it was just coming into the general like office and it yeah. just so happened that like, cause I'm assuming more things go on there than just the radio station. Um, mm -hmm. So I just, I pretty much chalked it up to the reason that they were like, it was coming in and you know, it, everyone would have been able to grab that and see that, but not everything is ready for air. And also it could be that just they get like almost a Twitter feed of Vietnam War news or world because there was so multiple machines. One of them is probably domestic news. One of yeah. them is probably, you know, world news. So like the Pope and all the, you know, the countries thumbing their nose at, I forget, whatever thing it was. Um, and then one of them would have been specific Vietnam War news. And so that would have just been coming through to everybody and they were just picking and choosing what was good, um, what was good for air. Mm. That's what I assumed. I was, I was trying to Google it while we were talking about it just to and, see if I could find anything. Yeah, but, it must be, yeah, just like news bulletins coming in. And so you're picking and choosing like what, like even though it's 
sort of news, like this is the stuff we're going to talk about versus what we're going to keep those cards close to the chest for right. operational they should, security, they should just kept that morale, panel whatever. in that room between the two twins, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, that again, I, I, that's, it's not really like a problem with the movie, which is something that I, that I, uh, that I noticed. Yeah. I, I'm also glad too, cause I think they could have really faked the setting of this movie, but like they did it. I'm pretty sure it was shot like in Vietnam. Like they did a lot of shooting there. I mean, they could have got, they, they could have done a lot of that, like on an LA back lot, really. Yeah. I think they did. They shot in Thailand, I believe. Oh, in Thailand. I okay. I remember reading. So, but yeah, not an LA backlot. No, no, yeah, yeah. They, and like, they, they don't have that many tuk-tuks running around the the <laughs> tricycle bikes. <laughs> I love that the bikes had no no tires on them. <laughs> oh yeah, that was through funny. The streets. Yeah. Just chasing. I I did love the bit at the beginning, um, akin to that where they're they're driving in the car and he's like, "Oh my god, it's the most beautiful woman I've ever seen." Like, look, there she is again. How'd she get so fast? Like, that's a different <laughs> yeah. person. No, no, no. She's speeding up. Let's check her stamina. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's check her stamina. See see how fast she is. All right. Question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Would you drink beer with just a little bit of formaldehyde in it? Where if you get sick, you get a free ham sandwich or whatever. A <laughs> <laughs> free ham sandwich. I forget what he says that, that he gives them. He's like, you go to the hospital, you come back, you're fine, and I give you a... Like an appetizer or something. Like I forget yeah. what specific thing he said. You get a coupon. You get sick from just a little bit of formaldehyde in your beer. That's when he's all drunk at the restaurant, right? With the shrimp heads? Or is that a different scene? No, uh, that's... That's when they first go to Johnny Waz. Oh, yeah. Johnny Waz. Oh, that yeah. guy was a trip. <laughs> uh, I, I, I forget the guy's name, and I wanted to try to look it up during the movie, but I forgot to. Of like what celebrity he really, really wants the naked picture of. Who's like... Oh, the the television actor or something like yeah, I, yeah. I forget, I forget even what show he, he kept calling him Earl, right? Is that right? He calls like, everybody Earl, or he calls everyone Earl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, did, I wanted to look that up because I think at one point Robin Williams is like, "No, I'm I'm too young for you," insinuating that the the celebrity that he has a, a crush on and wants to see naked pictures of is, yeah. a, is a much older person. Uh, well, I did also I think... really enjoy the uh, look at the ankles on that soldier and the way it perfectly <laughs> ties into the boot. That was great. <laughs> I think when he says like, he's too young for you, he's talking about Tuan who he's oh. like just brought into the bar. Like, Oh, who's your, cause he's like, Oh, who's your friend? Like he's too young for you. Oh, okay. Kinda. Stuff. Funny stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a trip. The the green suit where he's like, I got this in Hong Kong, home of the nice green suit. <laughs> <laughs> it is a nice suit. Yeah. It's very shiny. It was a really nice suit, yeah. It was a shame that, that that was that was what he was wearing the day of the explosion. Yeah. Yeah, the movie's really funny. I mean, even like the the, the, the date they go on had to bring the whole family together. That was pretty funny. Um, Attention shoppers, we're moving on. We're going to see Beach Bucket Bingo. <laughs> yeah. Dubbed in Vietnamese with French and English subtitles. Yeah. The song yeah, is completely dubbed, English like, with different. no subtitles. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't imagine. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of subtitles in movies anyway, but I could not imagine watching a movie with three different sets of subtitles all on there at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be I, a lot. It, it, would, it would be a lot. And I say that as a person, like I have to put subtitles on like basically every single movie I watch now because otherwise I'm like, I what? 
I don't understand. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm with you. I feel like I'm just getting old where I have to put on subtitles sometimes. Yeah, I, I, right. It's like my sound system or like the way the movie was mixed or whatever. It's like, I, I can't hear what you're talking about. Yeah. And in some cases like this, I just, I, I wanted to keep up with the, the dialogue at some point where I just couldn't. So I just had to put on the subtitles for this movie. No, that may, I mean, that makes sense. Just given the rapid fire nature of it, you could at least, you can hear it. And then you have that like extra beat to read it if you yeah. need to. And it was funny. I didn't even like halfway I, uh, watching this. I was like, holy crap. There's like a lot of people like cussing in this movie. And I'm so accustomed to seeing uh, Robin Williams movies that don't have that language in it. And I've again, I've went on to see um, after all the growing up with the movies to see like the Robin Williams stand up and see him, you know, yeah. just completely go off on hints for a movie like this early on. Again, maybe a reason why I never saw it uh was that it just it was you know the language and whatever else and um yeah i don't know it's it's i really enjoyed it but i i think adam liked it a lot more than i did yeah i did i mean i really enjoyed it I, there's uh, so many different things about it that i liked i mean the comedy was good the heart was good every i thought every side character was great i don't think there was a bad one in the bunch like even the girl who was you know not really necessary and it didn't really explain why he was so infatuated with her other than it was just a girl that he saw that he thought was cute like that part of it yeah didn't necessarily you know ring super great for me but like even her who's not really there all that much like her part at the, the end where she's just thanking him for just being kind and like mm-hmm. not being like because he easily could have been like every other soldier she's probably encountered that was forceful and throwing money at her and just you know being an overly aggressive d-bag which like you see multiple instances of that in the movie like he could have just been that person and he wasn't he was like a nice kind person who you know even when she spurned his advances was like that's fine like i just want to be your friend i know there's nothing here for it and yeah he was probably doing it with ulterior motives of trying to get laid and by his own admission trying to get to first base with that girl but you know like but he still respected her when he didn't have to and so, right. like, even her moment of, like, you're a good person was really needed. And I thought she delivered it well because, I mean, he was just told off by her brother that he was, you know, one of the invaders and one of the enemies. And she's like, no, you're you're actually a good person. And you were, you know, you, you came in here and you tried to help teach us English and you, you know, were nice to my brother when you didn't have to be, especially when he's a terrorist, which she probably knew, uh, given that she knew where his, like, hideout was. Yeah. Um, but, like... That was probably the only like weak character for me, at least. Um, so like all of those aspects of it, I just think it tied together really well. And it's not perfect by any stretch. Uh, you know, I, I agree with a lot of your points on some of the, the tonal stuff and especially that last act of just kind of trying to shove too many things in right at the end. So like, yeah. get oh, them all in there. But... One of the, one of the, the, MPs driving with him is like he's got to say goodbye to the whole goddamn country. Like yeah, that's the at the end, which guy. is sort yeah. of I was like, it sort of feels like that right now. Yeah, like well, he touched a lot of lives. You know, he, everybody in the class yeah. and everybody yeah. on the radio. So it, it makes sense. But yeah, no, I thought all that stuff tied together really well, um, and I I really enjoyed it pretty much start to finish. With yeah, there were some dips, but then I think even the dips come back with the heartfelt conclusion of the baseball game and the, you know, the good send off and, you know, the, 
I really liked the final, like the final broadcast of like, you know, I got the ticket home and this is the last one, but I just got one more. Like he, he didn't have to do one more show. He could have just taken his, his leave and gone home, but he gave, um, you know, he gave Garlic that one chance to like be on the radio, which he said he wanted to do. I know it's funny to say. I, I can't. Um, yeah, just say it is funny. Um, but like, you know, they had just had that moment on the road where he talked about wanting to go into radio when he gets back home and gets out of the service. So he gave him that chance to be on the air, to like give the people this one last send off. So I thought that was a nice, like touching moment that really brought it all together and really cemented the fact that I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Yeah. I, I was reading that. I guess it was supposed to be a sequel to this. Really? Yeah. Good morning, Chicago. And I think it was supposed to be during like the the DNC riots in like 68 or something like that. I, hmm. I don't know. I'd have to look it up more, more again, but is it, I think it didn't come together ultimately just because they couldn't come together on a, uh, a script or the, the way it was going to move forward. Um, but Adam, I was going to ask you, um, you seem to really like this. Did, does this sort of breach like a top five Robin Williams movies for you? Like where does it sort of sit with, Oof. I know you're obviously pretty fresh with it right now, but yeah, I mean, that's a that's a tough one, just because I think so many of what would probably consist and I'd have to really sit down and like comb through the IMDb is, you know, even when we were talking before, every time someone mentioned a new one, we're like, oh, yeah, that one is great. Oh, yeah. Patch um, Adams. <laughs> yeah. So like I'd have to comb through the IMDb, but I feel like what I would probably put in my top five Robin Williams movies are ones that I've just watched so many times. Yeah. Um, and because they're more lighthearted affairs it makes it easier for a rewatch, which makes it easier to rank. Yeah. Yeah, And it makes it easier to rank it highly. This one, I feel like I would be down to rewatch again, just because so many bits are so funny. Um, But because of the heavy nature of it, I don't know that it necessarily would get the same kind of repeat viewings that your Mrs. Doubtfires would, that your Jumanji's would, that your Jack's and your hooks would um, partly because it's nostalgia and partly because it's just a, you know, even the the less funny moments in those movies um, aren't nearly as like depressing or as hard hitting as Vietnam. Um, so I think that would probably hamper it a little bit. And I kind of made reference to it, I think, earlier. I don't remember if it was the beginning or now, but like like Full Metal Jacket, like the first half of that movie is so funny that like I could watch yeah. that like on repeat. But then the second they get to Vietnam, it's just like, oh, this is so hard and so heavy. That, like I wouldn't want to go do the whole thing every time. Um, this one, I'd probably like I if you, if you had told me that, like, OK, you have to watch this movie and only this movie. It'd probably be the first three quarters that I would watch like on repeat just because there's so many funny moments. Uh, and then by the time like he gets, I guess, exploded off the road is probably when I tune out um, just because. There's only a few things after that that I really enjoyed. Granted, the ending of it, it kind of pulls it back together. You're going to um, miss the baseball game. No, I, <laughs> I know. But I'll skip that commercial break and, and I'll come back <laughs> to the baseball game. But no, I think uh, I, the beginning and so much of it is super, super funny. And then where it dips towards the end kind of takes it out of that rewatchability, which I think is key for a Robin Williams top five or, or top whatever that you want to yeah. put together. Does this crack your top 10? No, it doesn't. I, and again, I, I would have to really kind of go through. Yeah. I mean, e- even even the ones that are like sort of panned or like bad, like, I don't know, like Patch Adams, or I'd have to look at other ones. But I mean, they're just one or like Jack or whatever. Like, I don't know. I don't know why for, for the reasons of just because I have history with them and I've seen them so many times and 
again, they're a lot more easier to watch. Um, that uh, I don't know. Yeah, I I would have to watch it. I guess again, but um, yeah. I again, I think it just it's hampered by that fourth act. And but I will say, I I was surprised at how quick he got into the booth in the beginning of the movie, and it just like like ran from there. Mm-hmm. I was expecting like twenty minutes, maybe twenty five minutes before he even like sat down and started saying anything. You know what I mean? Um, but that they that he got in front of the mic so early in the movie and they had so much of that, um, I thought it was great. I will say this has made me want to go seek out some other Robin Williams gems, hidden gems, if you will. Again, like I said, I haven't seen Fisher King. Don't know if that's in the cards for anyone, if you guys have seen that. or um, I got to look at some other ones. I, I know there's one called yeah. Toys that he did that I never saw. Toys, Toys is great. It's actually the same director as this one. Oh, it is. Okay. Mm-hmm. So... Again, I would love to do another Robin Williams movie at some point. Again, we've seen like collectively like all of them, I think, at this point. But for me, you, you know, there's go ahead. Bridget, have you seen World's Greatest Dad? I've not seen World's Greatest Dad. Okay, maybe that's yeah. That's, and have one worth visiting. Have you? You've both seen The Birdcage, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, that's because oh, that's top. How did top. I not think of the birdcage? Dude, the birdcage is my... I was like, why have we not talked about the birdcage? I just need to name drop the birdcage <laughs> immediately because it's my favorite Robin Williams movie and my favorite movie about being in love. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, it's funny you mention that because who who who's his co-star in the movie again? Uh, Nathan, Nathan Lane. Lane. Okay, because he's arguably funnier than Robin Williams in a Robin Williams movie. Mm-hmm. Well, like, he's, he's like the the... Oh yeah, just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Robin Williams is playing the, the more straight. Yeah, straight he's a little more character. subtle, but he has all the those those quips and jabs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How did I not miss that? Yeah, I got to rewatch that again at some point. <laughs> can we just do? Even though we've seen it, can we? All yeah, can we find some friends in the birdcage? <laughs> like, let's just seek him out, even if we're not friends with him. Yeah, put a Craigslist let, ad out. Like, have you not seen the birdcage? <laughs> Would you like my that. my Hulu password? Uh, very uh, disturbing response, I'm sure. I um, guarantee, I can guarantee you that there's people we know that haven't seen the yeah, birdcage that I'm we sure can get on the be. show. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I I guarantee it. Um, but uh, yeah, I listen, I'm. Like most of the movies I've seen, I'm glad that I've watched it, and it's uh, one of the better ones I think that we watched. But it just the last act. It's two. It's two hours. I think it's just it's it's, a little it's, long. It's a really good ninety, hundred minute movie in this two hour movie. But I'm not gonna let it ruin for me. I enjoyed it. Nice. Any final thoughts, Bridget? No, no final thoughts from me. I'm glad. I'm glad Adam had such a positive reaction. I think. <laughs> Our goal now, because like I had, I feel like mine was Black Christmas. That was like my over the moon new movie. Yours has been Good Morning Vietnam. I don't think Johnny's had that moment yet. I don't, I haven't, I've not. I think we gotta, now it's like the great white whale of like, Mm -hmm. how do we get from a fine, I'll watch it to, I really liked this movie. (laughs) It's, It's out there. I'm sure it's out there. Yeah, we'll find something. We'll we'll we'll, we'll piece through the we'll list and yeah. we'll comb through. I think it's tough too because John, you've seen so many movies. I've seen given, so many, yeah. Yeah, so. that like the ones that we would definitely want to like make sure that you've seen, you probably have already. Um, so we'll go we'll go through and we'll we'll hopefully find that one for you that at it's the very least there. we can yeah we can get you on that wavelength early and just either have you 
you know, in stitches on the floor laughing or crying or whatever reaction is garnered by the, the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Both are good. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I listen. We'll, we'll find it. I can't wait. So I guess what next time it would be Bridget. Bridget. Yeah. Cool. Sometimes and I think we Bridget. have a couple of people, too, that have uh, are coming forward with some movies, some mm-hmm. glaring disturbing responses that they have not seen, <laughs> but um <laughs> we'll get to those uh in the coming weeks i'm sure yeah mm-hmm. yeah so we'll line up some new guests and hopefully find that that special gem for johnny uh, along the way but uh that'll do it then i guess for this episode of fine i'll watch it remember you can find every episode of fine i'll watch it every thursday morning uh at 9 a.m on google play itunes podbean stitcher and spotify uh, you can also find us on facebook and twitter at broken clock pods so let us know what you think of good morning vietnam uh what's your favorite robin williams movie uh what's your favorite vietnam or war movie let us know uh on facebook and twitter at broken clock pods but once again for fine i'll watch it my name is adam i'm bridget and i'm johnny and thanks so much for listening